This episode is brought to you by the Marine Corps Association and Foundation. Did you know that when you leave a gift to the Marine Corps Association Foundation in your will or estate plan, you help ensure the future of our professional development programs for Marines? Leaving a beneficiary designation gift is a simple way to support Marine Corps Association Foundation, and you can designate us as a beneficiary of a retirement account, life insurance policy, or bank account. This gift will cost you nothing now, and you are not locked into a decision you make today. You can learn more about planned gifts by going to the Samuel Nichols Society page on the Foundation's website at www.mca-marines.org forward slash foundation. That's www.mca-marines.org forward slash foundation. We would like to thank the Marine Corps Association and Foundation for sponsoring this episode. Hey, Scuttlebutt listeners. Thank you for joining us. Um, I am Vic. I'm here with Nancy. Hi, everyone. And we couldn't do this without you guys. So really appreciate all of your support, all of you tuning in. um, And just thank you for everything that you guys do for us. Um, But today, I'm super excited to be welcoming Ulalu Ogunyemi to the show, um, who is, uh, we were talking actually in the pre-show, this was... um, really kind of just fell in our laps. Um, Olalu actually wrote an article for the Gazette um, that is on the website now um, talking about talent management. And just in our correspondence, I happened to see that he had a a website in his signature block and wasn't used to seeing that. So I decided to check it out. And just as soon as I logged on, I just saw this unbelievably dynamic diverse personality and i showed uh nancy and our other co-host william i'm like we got to get this guy on the show right and everybody came back like emphatically yes let's get him on um so olalu thank you so much man for being on the show absolutely thank you so much vic and nancy for having me uh, first of all, I, I lost track of who you're talking about, this dynamic and diverse uh, character. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who that guy's talking about. I'm just I'm just a Lalu. They call me Lou Ogunyemi, uh, just from a small ca- town called Ruston. Um, I, I think I can consider it a city because uh, uh, population 26,000, but we did have a super Walmart. So I am a city boy. Uh, okay, <laughs> that nice. puts you on the map. Yeah, yeah you are super Walmart is city. big. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> But definitely, I appreciate the honor of being on. I've seen some of your guests, and I I really appreciate that you uh, brought me on. I'm honored. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, and so I guess just to sort of get our guests up to speed a little bit, um, so you are from Louisiana, but you're first-generation American, right? I am, yes. My dad came from Nigeria for college, and he really – he actually came over to be a neurologist and I always laugh at him because he made fun of me for joining the Marine Corps or gave me a hard time. Uh, but he came from Nigeria uh, to uh, Montgomery, Alabama uh, for school. Uh, and wow. I think he was looking for New York, maybe Houston. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. he was looking for, but he <laughs> landed the down Southern there. route to get right. there. <laughs> he definitely did. Uh, and he came over to be a neurologist. Uh, he's not, he did get his uh, PhD, but is actually in education. So he didn't become a neurologist. So, I mean, he, he made fun of me for joining the Marine Corps, but uh, I think he he was the one that came over. And I joke, I say that tongue in cheek, but he really uh, established a foundation for us, uh, so that way we can have an opportunity to pursue what we wanted to pursue in life. So, uh, my hats off to him. Yeah, that's amazing. So, what made him uh, decide to, uh, I guess, to stay? Um, he went ahead and got his PhD, but he didn't. I guess just briefly, what was his story like? Absolutely. So, so he came and actually got his degree at Alabama A&M and then left there to Northern Illinois where he got his master's and PhD. And really, I think that made what made him stay. And hopefully my mom listens to this because she's about to get a shout out. Uh, what I believe made him stay was my mom. Uh, she came in, they met, they got married, uh, started the family. And I think from there, he, he ended up just staying and uh, started off at Wayne State. Uh, and then he decided because uh, Detroit was a little rough for him uh, trying to raise yeah. a family. Uh, so he moved down to Louisiana, which is a little bit to this small school called Grambling State University, where I actually got my degree. Um, and he decided to stay there. And he, he's really been there uh, oh, almost 35 years or maybe wow. over 35 years now. So, you know, he's enjoying it. And, and uh, so that's what made him really stay. He's, in, he's, he's found one opportunity after another. And uh, then I think 
once he started his family, he just committed to uh, staying here and raising a family. That's a great That's awesome. story. Absolutely. And um, what was that like? Um, so here you are in the bustling Louisiana city with the super Walmart. Um, are you, and you go off, you go off to Grambling. Are you already like, is the Marine Corps already in your sights or is this the furthest thing from your imagination or what was your path like to the Yellow Footprints? So I always like to tell veterans, they did an excellent job of recruiting me, starting off with the commercials. I was, uh, I'm a guy starting off when I was younger watching uh, local channels, but you still had the, the we still were watching the Slaying Dragon. I, I saw the Slaying yes. Dragon. Yes. Uh, then I think the one that really I used to love even more was the guy like free climbing the side of the mountain. Yeah, uh, I remember that silent, one. <laughs> silent drill team, like all these things, all these commercials came on and really fast forward to, uh, pretty sure I was uh, finishing up my sophomore year uh, in college and I was sitting on my couch and this is going to sound weird, uh, but I was sitting on my uh, couch and just sort of playing around with my 20 gauge shotgun. I was cleaning it, you know, doing something that I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. Saw it on the movie. Uh, <laughs> and then I saw a another Marine Corps commercial come on and, and just being uh, the knucklehead I was just sort of, you know, in my mind, I like to call myself a maverick. Uh, my parents would tell me I was just being uh, uh, rebellious, <laughs> but in any case, uh, I saw the commercial and I hit up my recruiter, uh, the recruiter I met in high school, I think probably two years uh, prior. Um, and I was like, hey, man, you know, I'm getting my degree in computer information systems, just finished uh, uh, finished my sophomore year. What do you guys, what can you guys do for me? And of course, the recruiter <laughs> did what, he, what he's supposed to do. And he brought me into his office the very next day. Uh, and I actually uh, signed an 0311 contract initially. Uh, and I was supposed to be going to reserves, doing the delayed entry program, so on and so forth. Um, and then for whatever reason, there's something going on with my paperwork at MEPS. I don't really know what happened in the background. Um, but I got a call from the OSO, who was down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, and then long story short, he sent me an OCS that uh, summer in 2011. Uh, and then really the rest is history. Um, it, it was really, I didn't know any Marines growing up. And I think that's probably the rebellious portion in, inside of me because I, I had mentors in the Army, just great, great community pillars. Uh, but I wanted to outdo them, to be honest with you. I wanted to one-up them, and, and I noticed the Marine Corps was an option. So I said, you know what? I'm I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And uh, my parents almost fell out of their seats when I told them. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was it was just an awesome uh, experience. Yeah, what was that like for them, um, in particular for your father, uh, you know, coming from an immigrant background, and all of a sudden his American son is like, I'm not, I'm not just joining the military. I'm going to go join the Marine Corps. So he tried to, uh, I think they both tried to play it off. Uh, they, probably, they tried to play it real cool. Uh, my mom, she went on her own campaign and she started talking to like my uncle, who's real, real, uh, very uh, inspirational in my life. He's one of the guys that influenced me, whether you knew it or not. Uh, he's a Vietnam vet and he passed away, unfortunately. But uh, he's army vet and he just, I mean, he really influenced my life. Uh, so she went to him of course, and, and had him talk to me about why I shouldn't join the Marine Corps or why I should do uh, some of all these things. Uh, she talked to my brothers as well. My dad, on the other hand, surprisingly, initially, I think he was a little more apprehensive. Uh, but then surprisingly, he started warming up to the idea. The more he realized I, I had done a little bit more research, uh, the more he was comfortable with it. And I have to give kudos to uh, Sergeant Nash, who's retired now or out of the Marine Corps now, but uh, he was a recruiter. And, and honestly, he had known that I was going to, o uh, going to OCS and not going to continue the enlisted path. Um, but he continued to work with my family and continued to give them information. If my dad had questions, which he had uh, hundreds of them, I'm sure, um, they answered the questions very quickly. And I, so I, I have to give credit to really that recruiting channel, um, because if they didn't, if they didn't recruit my entire family, I feel like it, it was it would have been a lot harder for me to uh, to really convince my dad, who's worked this opportunity, who's always uh, encouraged us to have uh, to pursue higher education and to get great jobs out of college and all these kind of things. And here I am saying, okay, well, you know, forget what you're talking about. I'm going to go join the Marine Corps, and oh yeah, the unit I'm going to uh, is actually getting activated <laughs> to go to Iraq. And that that was really really what I was trying to do uh, in my back in the back of my mind was what I was trying to do. So. Uh, but in any case, I, I think he was able to warm up to the idea just because he was educated uh, more by the Marine Corps. Yeah. And, yeah. And what do your parents think about all that now? Oh, man, they they uh, my dad is a bigger recruiter than I am. Uh, he, he, was working, <laughs> he was working with the OSO. He had uh, bill. He had billboards or excuse me, posters up in his building 
Uh, he's passing out T-shirts. I mean, he, he's been a recruiter, uh, really, because they've seen uh, the they've seen the change inside of me. Because again, I got in a lot of trouble uh, growing up, just just normal, you know, trying to blend in, trying to. Although my parents had excellent advice for me at home, and they gave me excellent mentorship, I just wanted to blend in with the environment. Uh, and some of the things I was doing, it, it was good to see uh, the transition from being a high school kid to a college kid doing some things that are probably ill-advised or just making some uh, rather impulsive decisions uh, uh, to, a, to a guy who's now actually thinking through and planning through and able to take care of his family. So I, I think, uh, at least in my mind, uh, they're, they're huge advocates. Uh, I guess we'd have to ask them if I'm right about that. Yeah, well, and I, I I have a you know similar story. You know, my mom uh, is uh, from Vietnam, and was very anti uh, me joining. And and I, much like you, I was already in college, so I just did it. Um, so it wasn't like, hey, what do you think, Bob? It was like, hey, guess what I just did. And um, yeah, so it was pretty anti about it. And then same thing, like as soon as she saw me would get my commissioning, have my bars pinned on, uh, and then she was kind of, she's pretty much sold on it. But yeah, it was a it was a maturation process. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um and so you, were you commissioned then on graduation day? Were you a PLC guy? I did. I was a PLC combined uh and it, I was actually pretty far away from my OSO. Uh, it was about two and a half hours to get to Baton Rouge. Uh like it depends on who you ask. Uh, most people say four hours, but really, if you know how to drive, it's two and a half. <laughs> uh, but we we're, we're about uh, it, it was a good distance away, so I didn't I didn't really know much. Uh, but I did end up meeting at a at a leadership panel, which was again another uh, chance encounter. I met General Bailey, uh, Ronald Bailey, uh, at a leadership panel, and we all were sitting there together. And he found out not only are we in the same fraternity, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, uh, but we realized that, oh, this guy just finished OCS and he's about to commission. And he told me, uh, the guy who does impulsive things, uh, he told me, hey, if you invite me to your commission ceremony, I'll come and I'll commission you. So I said, well, Roger, that, sir. I'll keep that in my back pocket. And of course, uh, fast forward about uh, probably six months or so, I, I get got confirmed that I was going to graduate. Um, and I got I, they confirmed that I can do it at, at Grammar State's uh, commission, uh, graduation ceremony. And so I sent an email, uh, Gmail, uh, with a little, yeah. uh, it was literally an invitation that my brother put together, who's a graphic designer, sent it to him. Uh, and of course he responded, he's like, okay, I'll be there. Now, That's little did awesome. I know, I, on the back end, uh, my Oso got beat up because he, he, was, he was trying to figure out how, what happened? How in the world did a general officer uh, decide he's going to go to your graduation? Yeah. Why didn't you tell anybody? I was like, well, sir, I, I didn't think I had to tell anybody. Uh, so that yeah. was my introduction to the Marine Corps. But I, I that was, again, that's just one more person who welcomed me into the Marine Corps with open arms and just showed me what it's like to be a servant leader. You know, reaching out to a guy who I knew absolutely nothing about the Marine Corps at all, uh, but just sort of pulling me in and saying, all right, man, you're part of the fold now. And I know I'm busy. I'm at, I think he was at, pretty sure he was at the Pentagon at the time. Uh, I know I'm busy, but I'll come down and uh, I'll come down and do your commissioning ceremony. So, uh, you know, that's amazing. It, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I I definitely have sympathy for your OSA because I was the middleman in Iraq. One of my platoon commanders like grew up with General General Gerganus's son. Um, or yeah, it, they had a linkage, so they had known each other forever. And then General Gerganus took over for uh, Marine Forces in Iraq at the time while we were there. So of course he wants to go see Tim Riemann. And so all of a sudden, there's all of these things coming down. They're like, hey, General Gorganis is coming into your AO. And like the regimental commander, the battalion, BLT commander are like, what? Who is this Tim Reamer? And why is the general coming to a loose to go see it? I'm like, so I have nothing to do with this. And so anyways, but yeah, I've been that middleman where everyone's wanting info and I've gotten none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I felt bad for him. Uh, he was... So he's now a good friend of mine, but I I, re I really did feel bad for him when I finally learned a few years later. I was like, oh, oh, that's how you invite a general yeah, officer. Yeah, oh, oh, okay. there's protocol yeah. here. I got gotcha. yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's actual pro. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense why he was upset. <laughs> that's funny. Protocol. Who needs protocol? Just yeah, go yeah. for it, right? Just go for Bureaucrats, it. Bureaucrats, yeah. am I right? <laughs> 
Well, that that's so so you've got. I mean, before you've even. I mean, really, since day one, now you have what would be the pinnacle of Manny Marines' career. You had that on your commissioning day. Oh, what was some of your most memorable tours? If you was it kind of all downhill from there, or like you know how has how have your past I guess twelve thirteen years now been? Oh, absolutely, yeah. So this is I've been blessed with where I've been able to go uh, as far as like the way I envisioned the Marine Corps uh, just based upon the movies. Because again, I, like I said, the only Marine that I knew was Major Payne. Uh, so based upon, the, <laughs> based upon the movies that I saw on TV, uh, I realized that, you know, being around Marines is going to be the, the biggest uh, blessing that I could have. And so I started off as platoon commander in, in Miramar, Comp Squadron 38. Uh, and then when I finished that XO Opso time, and then went over to MCRD San Diego, again, around Marines, around drill instructors, yeah. getting, getting to have the opportunity just to, learn more about them and uh, then left there became a, an operations officer in a uh, first MLG uh, and then same thing just everywhere I've gone and to include now the 24th Mew uh, I've just been around Marines so all of my memorable experiences involve in some way the Marines whether it's misery uh, you know out there uh, getting rained on and freezing to death and uh, getting frostbite which I, I got because you know I thought it was a myth being from Louisiana uh, or <laughs> or being uh, just just any, any of the, I, I mean, I was thinking about this, any of the numerous things or the opportunities where we're doing uh, joint operations and, and just diving into other people's cultures and learning more about them and, and being able to serve just not only in the States, but around the world. I, I think that just my entire experience thus far has been uh, been great. So hopefully for any monitors listening, if my monitor happens to be listening, uh, uh, just keep me engaged, man. I, I'm loving it. I'm having a great time. Uh, so keep me, keep me with the Marines. That's, that's what I always think about. Yeah. So it sounds like you've really um, been sort of cross cult, cross cult, coastal. God, I can't um, say that three times fast. Vic. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I couldn't say it once. So I don't know how I would do with three. Um, what uh, did you travel much as a kid or was this a real opportunity for you to see places that you didn't think you would be able to see? Honestly, uh, I have, we did travel quite a bit. Uh, we used to go every summer up to uh, Illinois to see my grandma, and that's where we used to do our family reunions. Uh, but to be honest with you, I had never gone anywhere west of, uh, I'm pretty sure, Dallas. It's as far okay. west as I went prior to uh, prior to joining the Marine Corps, I save some uh, visits I did for uh, college basketball when I was sort of going seeing what schools I wanted to go through, uh, go to. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I, I didn't go west of uh, Dallas. Uh, so, yes, I definitely have gotten out to see things that I never imagined. I, to be honest with you, when I was standing in San Diego at one point on the beach, I was looking around like, man, I cannot believe I get paid to stand out here on the beach. I'm, I, whether we were training or not, we were doing a hike, actually. Uh, but I just couldn't believe that. I'm, I'm out here like this is where I'm training. This is like this is I, when I hear Marines complain about stuff like that. I'm like, man. There's worse places to be, man. We, uh, Amen to that, man. Yeah, I, I just, it's the absolute worst place to be. So, yeah, I, I will say, yeah, that that was getting out across the country has been a been a blessing. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, all of my fleet time has been at Pendleton and as a tracker, you know, mm -hmm. right there on Camp Delmar. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to complain as the, I was a battalion XO my last tour in the fleet. And I mean, those are like 14, 16 hour days, right. but I'm watching the sun come up or, you know, on the, over the mountains there at Pendleton and I'm watching it go down over the Pacific. I'm like, that just ain't so bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, that, that's, that's really cool. And, um, what like, um, so you said you, you did an Iraq tour, is that correct? Uh, Afghanistan. Oh, Afghanistan. Okay. And, and who are you with on that one? So it was actually an individual augment billet, and okay. so I was I fell under the uh, CJ4, uh, which again is is one of those sporadic things. Uh, just had an opportunity to serve with uh, uh, in a NATO billet. Oh wow! Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. How yeah, was, was I mean? How was that? It was it was great. It actually was it was a very interesting billet because uh, in, in typical uh, Marine Corps fashion, it, it actually started off as a NATO lieutenant colonel billet. Um, and it got sent over <laughs> to the joint staff and then the joint staff said, all right, well, you know, we're going to one down that and make it a major billet. The Marine Corps was like, well, I'll, get, I'll raise you one more. I'll send you a captain. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so when I got there, uh, it was 
it was definitely a learning curve. Uh, it had nothing to do with communications. Uh, it actually fell underneath, uh, it, it, you know, in a weird way, it was almost more, I, I tell people that one day I think I could be a, a logistician. I, another day I could have been a lawyer. Another day, because just because I was wearing the uniform, uh, I was just making sure, you know, making sure we were secure, making sure uh, our interpreters were were uh, always uh, on time and, and, and make sure they're clocking in and things of that nature. Uh, but it, it was just an interesting build. It uh, very dynamic, very a lot of learning. Um, got an opportunity to work with some contractors out there and learn a little bit more about um, the security they are providing. Uh, and it was actually, actually, I was there um, as the peace deals were signed uh, to, and heading into COVID time. So we we was oh, wow. fairly late. Wow. So on the back end of uh, of our time in Afghanistan. So it was, it was a great learning experience. And it was, it was it was great to get out there. Yeah, that's uh, that's wild. Where were you out of? So actually, I was in uh, Kabul for uh, the most oh, okay. of it, uh, and of course, uh, had some time because the Marines were there. And, and, and when we got over to Bagram, had an opportunity to get to Bagram. I, I wanted to get there. Uh, didn't get down to Task Force Southwest as much as I would like. I would have liked to, uh, but I still made fun of those guys. Although the embassy wouldn't welcome me with open arms as I thought they would, uh, <laughs> uh, they I still made fun of them because I, I did at least get a couple of uh, breakfasts at the embassy, which they had. Um, like steak and lobster. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. Get I, I out of believe. Here. <laughs> yeah, I, I could not believe what the embassy looked like. So anytime I had not had somebody who can escort me over to the embassy, uh, I was getting over there just so I can make fun of my buddy who was down at uh, Hillman. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I was down. I was down in Marja. Our experience yeah. sounds pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty sure it's close. It was close. <laughs> um. Well, uh, and so I, I'm curious to um. Like all of this extremely diverse experience, and then you having such a sort of diverse upbringing and your heritage, and you know, uh, your dad being, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, having immigrated from Africa. How, how do you feel that your sort of time in the Marine Corps, your your upbringing, prepared you for all the diversity and all of the the various things that you would be dealing with as a Marine? Absolutely. So, one thing that my parents they always taught us to. Number one, uh, never back down from a challenge. Uh, never, like a lot of people, I think we they will be quick to quit. Um, and my parents told us like, yeah, you don't quit. Uh, you, you know, when you start something, you're not gonna quit it. Yeah, we could have, it doesn't matter what lesson we would have started or what um, instrument we started playing, my parents would not allow us to quit it. They told us, you know, if you start it, you're gonna finish it. I think that was one lesson that sticks out of my mind when I talk about the Marine Corps, because it's like, no matter what uh, challenges you face or how uh, complex the problem may be, it's like, well, you're not going to quit. You're going to keep going and you're going to get see the, see through the end and you'll know that on the way you'll learn some things. Uh, so I think that's one of the biggest things that stood out from my upbringing. Another one with me specifically, I was a fifth of six children and I actually, I laugh because I was actually a very uh, chubby kid growing up and it was, it was like, I, I can tell because, by the right. <laughs> yeah, right. You're, yeah, I'm like I'm super jealous of your traps alone, and I, at the same time, very sympathetic for your t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just funny because uh, we that escalated we sort of quickly. Yeah, it did. I, I, my, I tried. To, I thought I wore a pretty pretty sizable t-shirt. You know, it's, it's not hugging too too tight. I could breathe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought it was interesting because, you know, because I grew up in Ruston, Louisiana, and if you didn't realize, Olaolu Ogunyemi is not a normal name in that area. Uh, so I got made fun of for that. Not too I many in the phone book? Not, not too many. Maybe a couple. <laughs> uh, one being my dad. <laughs> uh, got made up fun of because of my weight. And it's just a lot of things. And I remember uh, I kept, because I was the baby for probably about four or five years before my little brother popped up. I uh, ruined that that gig for me. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, I, right, exactly. But I would go and just complain to my mom, and you know, she'll initially she'll come down, she'll lay the hammer. Uh, but eventually, it got to the point to where she was like, "Hey, listen, you know, if you let it, people know which buttons to press, they're gonna press them every single time." Mm -hmm. And it taught me more than in that moment. Of course, I didn't want to hear it, but it taught me a lot about resiliency and taught me that you know. If people, if you're going to allow people's negativity or their, their their thoughts or their opinions of you to validate your efforts, uh, then you're always going to be behind. You're always going to be sad. You're always going to be depressed. So I think for me, just again, in the Marine Corps, 
we, we thrive on doing more with less. We thrive on just uh, just going through misery together. Shared misery is one of the biggest things that the Marine Corps has taught me. So knowing that no matter what, you know, you know, things are going to get better. And no matter what, nobody can tell me, uh, nobody's going to invalidate my my efforts or my accomplishments by saying any, you know, just random words. You know, I, I know the things that validate my accomplishments and those are people being inspired. So your mom sounds like an incredibly wise woman. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll make sure to, I'll make sure she listens to this. So you, she hears that. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> she did a good job. <laughs> thank you. It, so this is, I think it's a good segue into uh, what we were talking about earlier and how, you know, just, opening up your website and just taking a look at all of these amazing things. One of the things that stands out the most is your, uh, is your writing. Um, you are the author of multiple books um, geared towards children. And so um, what, for one, like, where did that come from? Like, what was some of the impetus behind, like, was this a hobby of yours? Like, did you draw a lot and that just sort of was an e easy migration or, yeah, how, how did that all come about? Absolutely. So the one thing uh, I, I mentioned earlier, I was a knucklehead growing up. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that I realized is a lot of my, my buddies that I grew up with uh, didn't make it out. And a lot of them, to even today, have been caught up in uh, the, the prison system and, and just, mm. you know, in and out of, of the uh, penitentiary system. And, and one of the things that I, I said is, okay, what, in, what caused that? And how can I help influence children or young men like me who are just maybe trying to fit in or, or maybe they just need somebody that's going to give a positive example. And so from that, I said, okay, well, if, if the issue is that maybe they don't have that adult uh, child connection or somebody who can uh, give them the cues and give them encouragement and sort of show them the way, then maybe I can, first of all, do that for my household, establish that, you know, these books to where we could sit down and have those shared moments. So that way my son and my daughter's uh, they, they know that they have a dad that loves them and they can have moments of shared uh, camaraderie and, and moments that they, they're just going to remember forever. Uh, so started there with my family and then said, okay, now how do I get this and expand it beyond my family? So other young men, uh, specifically like in my hometown, can reach back out, reach out and say, okay, if this guy can do this, if this guy can sort of break the mold of what, what it looks like to be from Ruston, Louisiana or from Salesboro, Grambling or any of those areas uh, around there, if he can break the mold and he could do it, then why can't I do it? And really, that's, I think that was the, all the motivation I needed. Uh, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of work that went into it, just trying to figure out how I could publish, because uh, I did self-publish all three. Uh, the first one was, I, actually, I, I used these, the books behind me uh, as just props, really because I completely messed them up. All three of them on my first try. I completely messed them up, whether it be the cover somewhere inside the cover image or the page numbers is wrong, words, some words maybe spelled wrong, anything like that. It was just, just a learning experience for me. Uh, no but kidding. Think, That's interesting. Uh, absolutely. So it, it was, I had them printed so I can almost red pen them, if you will. Uh, yeah. So I can see, okay, what does it look like? Um, because seeing it on a computer screen really wasn't, wasn't giving me the feedback that I needed. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to hold exactly. the book and see, get the experience, uh, that a child or even adult you know, will have when they read it. So uh, long way to answer your short question. No. In that, you know, really it, the inspiration for me writing is just to go back to that young man that's maybe standing on a crossroad. Maybe he doesn't have a dad and a mom who are going to guide him in the right direction, or maybe he does, and he's still going down that that path. Hopefully he can see me and say, okay, if that guy can do it, maybe, maybe I can straighten up and, and I can try this, or maybe I'm inspired by something that I read in that book. Wow. Oh, go ahead, Nancy. No, I was just going to say that's a that's a really powerful it's a really powerful thing when you have an example when you you know, it's it's one thing, like you said, even if even if, you know, a person does have a mom and dad who are trying to lead them down the right path. Sometimes we don't want to listen to our parents mm -hmm. and it can be even more powerful when that outsider tells you, even though it's the very same thing that your parents have been beating you over the head with. It doesn't sound the same when it comes from somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And that, that's one thing I love visiting schools for. And, I, and sometimes the interactions that I get uh, from the children is just mind blowing. Because uh, especially when I go back to my, my school, it's actually sort of funny because they now they view me as a celebrity, which is it, it's sort of it's sort of mind blowing cool. for me in the first place. But uh, the one thing that I do appreciate about that 
is that they're willing to listen. Um, and I'm like, well, in that case, I have the platform. Yeah, I have the ability to tell them something like, hey, you determine your own future or never allow other people to validate uh, who you are. Uh, you bring value to the world around you. So those, those are the kind of messages I try to convey in the books. Uh, and more so when I go in person or have a, a virtual session with them, I'm trying to convey that same message to them. I mean, that, that is such um, a heartwarming uh, and amazing story. I, I mean, I just applaud your your vision uh, and your willingness to help. Um, I mean, where does that come from, though? It, you know, having you know been in uniform myself, I sure I could think about all these ways to potentially give back, but more times than not, like I'm so in the sock that it's like mm -hmm. I just need to get through this workup, or um, you know, I'm I'd rather waste my time at the bar or, or whatever it is. Um, where does this drive to give back come from when I mean, the things that you're talking about would be amazing if all you were was just an author. Right. You're an active duty Marine working up for the 24th Mew. Uh, you were down at MCRD. I mean, you, you weren't in any of these cake billets. Uh, where, do, where does this come from and, and where do you get the drive? I think for me um, is I use it as an out. You mentioned being at the bar. I use it to decompress. And so when I write, it's writing to calm down. It's writing to... Uh, it's almost so much different from my day job that it sort of breaks that mm. mode or breaks that mindset, right? Like so an escape. It, exactly, and it, it allows me to escape. I like that word, thank you, Nancy. It allows me to escape, so that way, by the time I meet my family, they're not meeting, you know, Major Ogunyemi, uh, <laughs> yeah. which, which isn't really good. I, mean, I try to be myself regardless, but they're not meeting. Uh, they're not meeting the Marine version. They're meeting Dad, right? They, because they're not gonna. They could, especially my five-year-old. She could care less about uh, my <laughs> yeah. Marine Corps career or, or whatever rank or. And she doesn't care anything about that. Uh, she calls me Dad, and uh, if I'm getting on her nerves, she could call me something worse than that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think really the biggest thing is just find. I use the writing as my as my escape, as my out, and it allows me just to to um, really just. I guess it's that creative mindset. It just sort of allows you to learn and grow. Uh, to me, it's exciting. I think that's that's what that's what happens. It's just a hobby for me. So you're using a completely different part of your brain. Exactly. Um, uh, it's it's working out. Is it's like well, like fitness uh, and exercise. You're working out different muscle groups, and it's important to to use all those muscle groups, not just like have the best the best, uh, you know, legs ever, but then your arms are like little pretzels, you know, nobody wants that, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I, you say that I, I've been working on my legs. So the people who know me, they'll be like, Oh, look, he's, he has good traps, but his legs are pretty small. So thank you. Thank you for pointing out my, uh, my insecurity, uh, Nancy, but I, <laughs> that was, that was just a lucky hey, shot. That's what no cargo idea. pants are for. Yeah, exactly. That's in my sweatpants, you know, uh, now I'm going to cry when I finish, but I do, <laughs> I do. Uh, and that, that's really what it is. It's, it's, I think, uh, cause the other question really is like, how do you have the time for it? And, and I actually asked myself that. And I, I stole an idea from uh, Dave Ramsey. Obviously, then it's not in the same industry, but I stole it uh, because I really believe that time is our most precious non-renewable resource. And a lot of times we just waste it. And oh it's the only gosh, one that yeah. we can't get back. Right. So money, I can always go find that in some way, uh, whereas time, I, it's gone. It's gone. Um, so what I started doing is I started looking at anything over 30 minutes. Do I have 30 minutes of uninterrupted time? where I can read or I can write or just at least like explore some of those thoughts and started off and uh, just my commute to MCRD San Diego. Actually, I was stuck on the uh, 52 East or stuck on the five or, or 15. One of those, I was always yeah. stuck AKA on one of those. California. Right. <laughs> so, and I sat there, you know, either A, I was listening to an audio book to sort of keep my mind sharpened or B, I'll just go completely quiet and I'll just turn on my recording, just like you see on the movies where people sort of go in there, you know, to the side and they sort of record an idea. I literally was doing that. I was recording it. Um, sometimes it was voice, uh, voice to speak, uh, excuse me, voice to text. Uh, and just that way it, it, I had an idea and at least I got, I got whatever was in my mind out on uh, paper. So I think that's really how I was able to make the best of the time that I had. That's amazing. And, and, you know, talking about doing it while you're driving, one of the things, one of the things that I've found uh, is that there's constantly noise coming at us today. 
you know, and, and even when we're sitting down being quiet, there's noise, there's, there's some, you know, we're bombarded with images and sounds. And so I use like, I've started using the very last part of my commute to turn off the radio, no podcasts, even this one, I turn it off for a few minutes um, and just, just quiet. So your mind, you can explore those ideas in your mind when you're not getting input from 900 other things. That's correct. Yeah. And I think that's important too. Uh, I know a lot of times we, we, and I've talked to Marines about this before. And a lot of times we get scared of hearing our thoughts to ourselves. Uh, but sometimes that's what you need. Uh, sometimes you, you need to explore those thoughts. You need to talk to people about them uh, instead of trying to bottle them up in your mind. And, and I think really that's what allows, once you start doing that, once you start writing it down, uh, sometimes seeing it is, is whether you, when you find out whether it's uh, very creative or, Hey, this is something I need to get help for, or, or maybe I have, a, I have a gift that I never knew I had. So somebody can help me refine this skill. And now you, I'm a writer and I'm an author. And it's literally how it happened for me. It wasn't, it wasn't something I, I necessarily aspired to do aside from uh, the, the little poems that we did growing up. Uh, I, I think I won one competition where I, I'm pretty sure it was like a Christmas uh, competition. I wrote a poem and uh, I'm almost certain I spelled Jesus wrong, uh, but I won because nobody else entered. So <laughs> that, that's one of one is still one. Hey, I got the award. So, you know, that nobody could tell me otherwise, uh, but it, it was, I mean, that's, that's really how I started off. And I, and to be honest with you, the only other thing I tried to do uh, that my brother's discouraged in the art world is uh, I wanted to be a rapper growing up and my brother's completely <laughs> annihilated that idea. Uh, so uh, writing was my next best option. <laughs> so no no eight mile sort of uh, uh no i mean there, there are, for you, huh? i mean if you were to look through my dad's house i'm certain you'll find uh some some old cds and some things i recorded um i, I don't even want to hear them to be honest with you it's probably good blackmail <laughs> material I, i'll never run for any kind of office because that's good blackmail material yeah <laughs> well speaking of which then do you have any like after school special sort of moments like Whereas, you know, a young Olalu is walking by and sees, you know, a book and then, you know, that's or like, you know, how they would have, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain as a kid. He walks by a music store and sees an old guitar. Like, are there any of those moments where you felt like growing up or, you know, looking back on your life that this was something that you were you had an affinity for? Or was it, it really as simple as you said that, like this was something that you're using as a release. And then you're like, Oh, Hey, actually this is, there's some, might be some there, there. Yeah. I, the funny thing is I, I, I know I look back on it now and I, I joke about this with my mom and dad um, because I absolutely hated reading. And I think it's because they made me do it. Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, I hated it. Uh, and, but they would tell me, no, you're going to go read. Uh, and so I would go read, I would go try to find the most complex book because it's like, well, you told me I'm gonna read, you know, Nancy Drew. Well, I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna go read. I don't know. Insert what, whatever book that does you from the encyclopedia. I don't even know. Uh, but what that was doing, uh, what I didn't realize at the time, it wasn't hurting them at all. It was hurting me. But what that was doing is number one, it was growing my vocabulary. Uh, number two, it was expanding my. It was, I guess really making my uh, my books more diverse. Uh, yeah. So everything I was learning wasn't just from my experiences around me, which of course has which transitions throughout life is right. If you know, if you're able to learn more from uh, people and things that you experience, that's great. But then there's this other part that you have to explore, which is the world of books. You're able to go through and read books that you probably would not have uh, picked up in the first place. Uh, I think that's really what, what I learned from that. Uh, when I look back on it now, it's like, ah, oh, man, they got me. I hated reading. <laughs> Uh, and I used to just pick up random books, but now it's it's exactly what it's about. It's about finding ways to make your books, and even the, as I write in the books, I try to, I try not to align them to just what the industry would want. I try to make it a little bit more diverse, where I sprinkle in a little bit uh, of Marine Corps. Uh, there's literally I have a crow standing in dress blues. I try to sprinkle in a little bit of uh, a little history and things of that nature. So, I think that's that's really what influenced me in that regard. Yeah, I mean, reading books, um, regardless of whether it's fiction, nonfiction, uh, memoirs, I mean, it is as close to walking that mile in someone else's shoes as, as we could get. Um, and there's no better way to diversify your worldview 
than to figure out what it is that other people, how, you know, seeing the world as other people are seeing it. So, oh gosh, that's so true. It's also like, it's also an escape. It's such a great escape from Mm -hmm. anything that may be bothering you or, um, even a good thing. It's just, it's good to decompress with a book. For me, it was anyway. And let's not hate on Nancy Drew books. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I love Nancy Drew, but I couldn't let my parents see me loving a book. That that just wasn't that was contrary to, to the message I was trying to send. Uh, I will I will say I went back and read because I read all those books when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. we were cleaning out our basement during COVID, and I found like the Nancy Drew book number one, and thought, okay, I'm going to reread oh, this. Wow. I can tell you that those themes and concepts did not really age well. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, really? Yes, yes. I can't imagine. So I I should probably just get rid of all my uh, Hardy Boys stuff. No, no. You (laughs) got to keep them. Yeah, I remember uh, Choose Your Own Adventures was the thing when I was growing up. And that was like the bee's knees. (laughs) But so speaking of then all these genres, like when did you realize that you had – um, this affinity for for children's books, or, or was that so? What what drew you to that genre vice? You know, going into you know Tom Clancy ish sort of things. Absolutely. So there's a couple of things. Number one, I wanted to have a connection with my children. Uh, I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. that we have an opportunity to enjoy that teachable and just memorable experience together. Uh, and then the second thing, it, it goes back to that 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 small rebel that lives inside of me. Uh, I looked around the industry. And I said, yeah, there's not anybody in the children's book industry or not many people that look like me in this industry. So, and it actually was funny. I was doing an interview and somebody said, what qualifies you to be a children's book writer? And I was like, I, to be honest with you, uh, nothing. Other, I just qualified myself one day. I just, I woke up yeah. and said, that's what I want awesome. to do. And uh, that's, that's what qualified me. So uh, really, I think that's, that, those are really the biggest influences. It's just, I, I wanted to uh, explore the, the opportunities to sit down with my children uh, and then really encourage other parents, hopefully other fathers like me, uh, to go sit down with their children and read these books together. Well, and what's interesting, as a children's book author and also a Marine and a Marine dad, so can you talk a little bit about some of the unique challenges that military kids face and have you addressed any of those in any of your books or do you have plans to do that so i'll answer the second question first i I think the i haven't directly addressed it um and and they do have a lot of challenges and it's ironic because part of the reason i I write these books is because what i realize is a lot of my counterparts and my peers back home didn't have fathers home um and I, i was thinking about it one day uh, my children are also uh, growing up without their dad at home. Um, the difference is obviously it's due to the obligation or the the choice that I had to serve the country. So in, in that right. way, in that regard, my children are also serving the country by sacrificing their own father to go out uh, to for the betterment of the world. Uh, and so really what I, I always encourage them and, and one of the books, uh, really in two of them, I talk about exploring some of those things that tell you that you can't be what, you know, not allowing anything right, like the shadow, as I call in my book, Crow from the Shadow, uh, to stop you from achieving your destiny. Uh, in this case, uh, my children, knowing that they have, uh, they've run into this issue uh, of, and I can't have my dad come into my game, every game, or he's not going to be able to see me at the award ceremony or, or the recital and all those kind of things. Uh, being able to know that, you know, you still have a father that loves you. And when he's here, we're going to enjoy those moments together. So, uh, I haven't written a book in that regard, and I, I really have. It's, it's something I've been thinking through uh, how to do it. I know there's some great ones out there already. Um, uh, actually, some other Marines that I, I just have by chance met. Uh, they've written some really good uh, children's books about uh, parents being away. Uh, but to to your question, no, I haven't written one yet. That's such a yeah, a cool subgenre, um, and I mean, I I can't imagine. You know, I mean. For someone to ask, what are your qualifications? Like, I, I can't imagine someone who would be more qualified. Um, but that's also it just reeks of how little we understand of what military families go through. Um, and it's it's a shame that someone would even be so brazen, um, even if they weren't meaning to be offensive. 
but to ask a question like that, it just seems it, it's really it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but also at the same time, like I'm really just I'm fascinated by um, this idea of you know the service of families for of the service member. Like it it really is everyone everyone is serving um, in these instances and. So for there to be other Marines who are also writing and are expressing themselves uh, for their families and for other families, um, I think these are really important because I think that these themes really sort of transcend even the military, the, the uniformed service member, because that idea of resiliency and grit. And I know as we're looking for, towards these emerging generations, one of the big questions that us old, you know, the the old guys in the in the Muppets, you know, sitting up in the balcony, uh, looking down on the emerging generation and, you know, complaining about grit, how do you teach resiliency? Um, you know, I, I think there's some really uh, awful sort of nicknames that are given about, you know, sort of snowflake generations and things of that nature that are just overly simplistic. But at the same time, how do you teach grit? <laughs> like, I think the question is is still profound in that, how do you teach grit to a generation that hasn't necessarily had to face it culturally? Um, and so I think it, it's very important that folks like yourself are writing these things to that audience because sure, we can all read about the little prince and that's a, a wonderful story. Um, but where is, where are we bringing our experiences to help the mentorship piece other than just telling this generation what, what to do. I don't know. Am I even making any sense? I don't know. No, you're exactly right. Because I, yeah. I think that's, that's why I started the parent child connect series. That's the book series I started. And the idea is that the adult who has the experience uh, sits down and connects with the child. So one of the things that's happening that I realized is that we, and I'm guilty of it myself, and I'm sure a lot of parents can admit um, it's easy to plop your child down in front of YouTube kids or whatever other TV channel. And really what's happening, and I, I think in my opinion, is that we're allowing electronics or TV or social media and all these other things to raise the children. Mm, and that's yeah. where they're learning their lessons and grit and resilience. So really a lot of times when there's, a, there, there's the insults of uh, whether it be a snowflake generation or something like that, I always look and say, okay, what, what have you done to raise mm -hmm. your children to make them more resilient? Have you taken those experiences or have you sat down with them and, and really talked to them uh, how to be more resilient? Have you told them, hey, you know, you can express your emotion in this way, uh, but let's talk through, let's figure out how you can grow through this. You know, not, don't just sit there and, and sulk in your emotions. Let's grow through it. You know, how many times do we do that? Or do we just sort of throw them in the corner? Hey, I'm tired of talking to you. You know, I'm we're both yeah. tired and you go to your corner, I go to my corner, you listen to your music and they're learning resilience through I don't know, yeah, maybe Taylor Swift, who, who was, <laughs> I don't really know. I, whoever they're learning from, uh, they're learning resilience, not from the adults who they should be getting their cues from. They're learning resilience from their peers, uh, which is also dangerous uh, because yeah. again, peers don't have the ability uh, or, or willingness in some most cases uh, to raise children and to help them uh, grow through adversity. So I, th I really think that's, that's where it starts. It starts really with the mentors, which is us, the parents, uh, and really helping them in those moments uh, that they may be feeling down. And, and so, oh, go ahead, Nancy. No, no, I didn't have anything. Go ahead. Yep. Is it, so um, is that then, did that lead us into your philanthropy? I mean, because looking at your website, I mean, you've got, you've got a foundation. Uh, you've got, like you said, you have this parent-child uh, connect. Um, you've got, you know, Bible studies uh, through the YouVersion app. Um or so, so I guess was one, did they happen sort of organically from one another or did one lead to the next or like how, how, how did that, because again, if you weren't a uniformed service member, this would all be a highly commendable and amazing, but yet here you are on a workup for the 21st Mew, but you still have all these things going on. Like what, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would love to take credit for the foundation. You're making us I, look bad, too. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So the foundation is actually my oldest brother, Dr. Clement Ogadiemi. He's the one that started the foundation. Uh, and to be honest with you, I'm just a board, executive board member on the foundation. Uh, and 
one thing we do, uh, the biggest thing that we do is the strength, wisdom, strength, and endurance scholarship, where we find uh, other African American uh, individuals uh, back in our hometown, uh, which is you know what we're trying to what we're targeting uh, to help them get to college. It, long story short, it's, it's really to to help them pursue a higher education. Um, now, for the the Bible study, that was something that. To be honest with you, again, another uh, chance uh, encounter. It was one of those that uh, I really was trying, as I was writing, I was trying to like push information to you version to become a partner. Um, they closed off their partnership for a while. They didn't accept my earlier writing, uh, probably, oh man, this, this had to be like five years ago or so. Um, and I just kept trying. I kept sending them uh, articles uh, when they were open. And then finally, uh, I guess last year, uh, mid, mid last year, I think it was, um, I sent them an article and they, they liked it and they said, hey, we want you to be a partner. And that, from there, just sort of continue to grow. Um, but I, I think really for me, it's just it is it is exciting. It is a good opportunity to get out and and really just show the world. Because I, I really part of me is wants to show people that there's another side of Marine. So from the, if I were to put on my recruiter's hat, not that I'm anywhere close to a recruiter, uh, they're very talented individuals, but I'm, yes. I'm not there. Uh, if I were to put on my recruiter Right. <laughs> I put on my recruiter's hat. I'll, I'll tell you that you can, there's more to just being a Marine. You can do, uh, and I won't say just being a Marine, but uh, you can do things that expand beyond uh, your service, your daily obligation. Uh, you can really just, just go out and give. You're, you're, the Marine Corps places you in, uh, in unique areas, whether it be in Jacksonville, North Carolina, or whether it be uh, in Kabul, Afghanistan, or, or Naples, Italy, wherever you are, Turkey, wherever you end up going, uh, the, the Marine Corps places us in, in very unique uh, places to where we can actually influence other people. It's really just up to us to uh, take the bull by the horn and actually run with it. So uh, I think really for me, it's, it's number one, I have a great team of people. My wife is already very supportive. My, even my kids are very supportive. Uh, and then my siblings uh, although my brother, my brothers, I told you they made fun of me. I probably should have wrapped back around and tell you they're they're my my best friends and they're my greatest mentors and uh, influence in my life. So uh, I have a wonderful support system. So when I am uh, fully dedicated to the Marine Corps and uh, in my day job or fully committed rather, uh, working 16, 18 hour days or just completely away on a ship uh, with limited connectivity, um, there's still people here that are running the show. So uh, I, I'm just blessed with a great support system. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, you know, your drive um, to help. But I guess that's the other thing is, is that these don't seem like they're, it seems like you're putting in a lot of work uh, and they're not all that self-serving. Um, you know, obviously you see a ton of people who will put in all kinds of uh, energy and um, time and money and resources into their own self-promotion to be that influencer or whatever the kids are calling them these days. Um, but you seem to be doing it outward facing, trying to help people. Uh, and it just, it's absolutely commendable and, and my hat's off to you. It's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's nice to know that people like you are around and, and, you're also in uniform, um, so uh, and you're a Marine, so simplify, Mac. Simplify. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess uh, as we're talking about writings, we're talking about art, and you being a combo, um, you are sort of on the front edge um, from many. You're, you're getting to see this migration into um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, you're getting to see that growth and integration uh, from multiple viewpoints. Um, and I mean, it, it, it's, it's really becoming a ubiquitous aspect of our culture now, uh, especially in the West. Um, what are your, some of your thoughts on sort of the decline of the written word um, as we seem to culturally be divesting from literary art into visual art into now AI-generated art. Um, what is that doing for expression you see as you are my mentoring and guiding this, uh, you know, children in the emerging generation? Yeah, and I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of AI. I think it helps with some efficiencies. Uh, but specifically tied to the arts, I think 
uh, as I, I think what it loses is, for lack of better terms, it just loses the soul um, behind it. It loses that connection um, that that a human being can provide within a writing. So as I was uh, reading, even something as simple as, because uh, uh, my wife's a realtor, even something as simple as the description for uh, a home that she's listing, I sort of read that what AI generated. And I, I tell her, I was like, you know, this this doesn't really tell me this. This tells me facts, and it, it's written in a way that that seems uh, uh, sort of sequential, and it, it almost makes sense. But it doesn't really speak to me as a as the mm-hmm. potential buyer. And I think that's really what's happening with uh, with AI in general with art. Just, to me, uh, my personal opinion is that it's just not uh, connecting. It, it doesn't have that same feel as it would if you were if a human being is writing the same thing. So I would say that that's really the the downside to it. It does help with efficiency. It does help at times if you want to structure ideas using uh, using AI. I think it's a good idea if you if you want to know if you want a template. Um, but I'm I'm still always going to recommend you know getting pencil and paper out and just writing and expressing yourself uh, because there's no AI that can truly do what human can do. I mean, humans are immaculate uh, at what they do, and if really it's full circle. It's, it's been that way since uh, the industrial area era uh, where we uh, always tried to get machines. We always want all these things to replace the human being. Uh, we realize that although sometimes it can be more precise, there's just certain aspects of, of creation that the, only the human being can do. So uh, I think that decline is going to be recognized over the years. But um, right now, I guess that's where we are. Yeah, it's the tech du jour for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, and this isn't my original thought. I read this somewhere. But but uh, the the quote was that we have industrialized so many things to give us more free time so that we can pursue arts, not so that we can have industry do the art for us. Mm -hmm. That's correct. And that's how it should have been. But somehow we've uh, again, I I think as we've become more distracted with more of the technology uh, now we just, it's almost like we're giving up, giving up all the things that sort of make us creators uh, to, uh, to the, to AI and to whatever other machinery that, that exists. Yeah. I mean, it's a tool, right? Like you wouldn't use a hammer to paint on a canvas, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, so I think we need to definitely understand what the limitations are really what the, 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 reasoning behind the tool is before we start using it but also too i feel like art i mean and olalu i think you were alluding to this is that art is our expression Mm -hmm. a tool it can make something more efficient but it's not going to express uh whatever it is And, and nancy you and i talked about this earlier today even that like that just the act of writing yeah. gives you that connection between your thought and then what is actually, you know, as your the muscles in your arm right. make your hand move. Um, it that is part of the the expression. And if you remove that, um, even if you are able to, you know, put some things into a search engine, have something come up, it's it's not really you, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a little bit soulless. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the other thing that people don't realize the the mental impact uh, that writing or drawing or any form of art has, uh, the simple act of you putting pencil to paper as you're describing and seeing something uh, beautiful being created does something to, uh, into your your neural pathways. And it, it tells you that, hey, you know, I'm, this makes me happy or this this brings some form of emotion. Uh, but when you disconnect that by using AI or just sort of putting it in a chat, then it, it may give you some kind of emotion, but it doesn't give you that same feeling that's associated with multiple senses. And I think that's where, which is way out of my uh, realm, but I was talking to psychologists who talked about connecting your senses, whether it be your, your sense of taste uh, and your, your hearing or your, your smell. That's what gives us the best memories when we have multiple senses involved. Yeah, something, yeah. Something. So, and I think that's really what, what the art is, is giving us that AI may be taken away. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Well, Alalu, man, we have taken up a ton of your time, uh, but I I do want to just ask one last thing here. Um, You clearly are an inspiration, um, and I'm sure there are plenty, um, you know, even outside of Rustin, who 
look up to you um, <laughs> and find inspiration in what you're doing. Um, and you talked about your brothers, you talked about your dad and your mom. I mean, who else, like, who are your inspirations? Um, you talked about uh, your your family being your 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 foundation, but who else? And, and, and what, um, I guess, uh, what, what advice then do you also have for Marines as they're transitioning that maybe you're leaving that thing that they are, that they are holding, um, as their, their center and their, their foundation? Absolutely. I, I think starting off, I would say my first inspiration when I got to the fleet, uh, was my staff and CEO in my platoon, mm -hmm. uh, Gunner, Gunner Sergeant Morton. Uh, because I was extremely rough around the edges. Um, I felt like I needed to tell the company commander when he was wrong. Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> they love that. Start, Keep that. Yeah, they, they love that. Oh, yeah, they love that. <laughs> I, 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 you know, especially the brand new lieutenant walking in uh, the captain's office and telling him when he's wrong. I, he loves that. Uh, but having that gunny who sat down with me is like, hey, check. Okay. Yeah, it, was, it was just funny because he was already in 19 and a half years. He, he's retired master right now uh, for several years now. But uh, when when you sit down with me, I was, I was like, Gunny, I'm gonna go tell him this, this, now. I'm, I'm gonna tell him a piece of my mind. He's like, Oh yes, sir, yeah, abs absolutely. Uh, but if you do that, uh, you're gonna get fired. So here's what you <laughs> should do. And it was, and you know, at first, you know, I was like, Yeah, it's probably a good idea, you know. And I didn't really appreciate it until later on, where I'm like, Man, this this guy actually mentored me. He spent time, uh, really helping me to develop into a better person. And I, I think that's where, when you talk about inspiration. It's really just the Marines that I, that I have the pleasure of serving with who took me under their wing and just said, you know, hey, man, you are like you're a young guy. You, you think you know everything. But here, I'm going to actually teach you here. Come over here. And let, let's let's sit down beside me and we'll, we'll teach you a little something. Uh, and I think that's really who's influenced my entire career. And to be honest with you, even with my family, there's times where I sit down with my Marines, we have conversations. And I, I'll bring up something. They're like, yeah, you may not want to say that. That's probably not the best idea. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. I shouldn't do that. So. They want to chalk talk uh, that one just a yeah. little bit more. <laughs> and I, I think that's really for any Marine, uh, young or old that's joining, that's, that's coming into the fold. I would say there's plenty of Marines out there who are, who are going to look out for you. They're, they're, they're going to bring you under their wings. Don't allow, I know there's always going to be those who, who abuse, uh, abuse their authority. Um, but to be honest with you, I feel like those are, are few and far in between in comparison to those who are willing to just sit down with you and, and make you a better person. So I would say anybody that's coming from, uh, uh, whether it be Ruston or New York, uh, I, those are comparable to me, you know, about the same sure. same. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, no well, matter where they're coming from. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whether no matter where they're coming from, uh, you're you're joining the you're joining the family. You're joining the team that that's going to look out for you. And uh, at worst case, you can reach out to me and we'll we'll connect you with somebody. Uh, we'll find a way to to bring you to the fold. Nice, nice. Well, man, this has been so great. Um, I'm really I'm so happy that that we had this chance meeting that um, I didn't just ignore your signature block <laughs> in your email, um, and. Matt, I wish you all the best. Um, Absolutely. You said you're, you guys are, um, you starting, uh, you're, you embark in April. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So, yeah. And heading out to the med, um, which is a pretty calm place right now. Um, so should <laughs> yeah. be able to hit some limbo parts. <laughs> yeah, we, we hope we always, I think every Mew has gone out hoping to, to hit, hit limbo port. So I, you know, Maybe I should switch it up and not say that, but really yeah, right. what we're, yeah, we're just, we'll just respond to wherever nation calls us. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's really where we are all right now. And uh, we're, we're excited. We're excited to be prepared. Uh, and I think that's, that's really the mindset we all have taken on is that we, we will respond no matter where the nation sends us, but we will also take uh, Liberty ports. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. You know, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, right? You're you're creating goodwill, international relations. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. And boosting the economy. That's correct. That's right. And boosting the local economy. That's right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time um, to to be to talk to us today. Um, man, just semper fi and you know, best of luck to you, man. And uh, please stay in touch. Yeah. Thanks. Absolutely. Thank Keep you so us. much for the opportunity. Keep us posted on what you're what you're up to. We we uh, we want it, We want you to stay in touch. Absolutely. Oh, I, I guess speaking of which, uh, where can other than your website, um, which is um, parent 
Dash-child-connect.com. Where else can uh, folks find you? Actually, I think that's the best way to find me. Uh, okay. Uh, like you, you already alluded to, uh, I'm, I'm on all the social media, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. I don't spend a lot of time on there. Obviously, I, I have to take a little bit of time away from uh, any of that stuff to, to write. Um, but I'm, also, you can find me on uh, Uversion Bible Plan. Uh, that, that was fairly new in the last few months. Uh, but yeah, all, all that you can find it on the website. Okay. Um, and I think that's the best way to locate me. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again. Uh, and I, I can't wait to uh, see what you got in store next, man. <laughs> <Like> really, <Absolutely>. I'm <laughs> sweating so just thinking about all this stuff you got going on. It's making me <laughs> tired. I got to go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely appreciate the opportunity. It really is an honor. It's a fun conversation. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks for thank being you. with us. Absolutely. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Marine Corps Association and Modern Day Marine. Attention, Scuttlebutt listeners. Prepare for an incredible experience at the Modern Day Marine Expo, happening April 30th to May 2nd at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center. Dive deep into military advancements and networking. Plus, the Objective One Wargaming Convention is back for its second year. Expect nothing short of awesomeness, so bring your A-game. Don't miss out. Secure your spot now. Also, Nancy, William, and I will be on site recording episodes live from the showroom floor. Come by and say hi. Visit MarineMilitaryExpos.com for more details and to register. That's MarineMilitaryExpos.com. Hope to see you there. Scuttlebutt is a production of the Marine Corps Association. You have heard the voices or contributions from Major Vic Rubel, USMC Retired, Nancy Lichman, William Truding, and Major Alalu Oganyum, USMC. Ty Frazier is the editor, sound engineer, and technical producer. The Marine Corps Association is not an agency of the U.S. government. The opinions expressed in this episode are the personal views of the participants and do not reflect the official position of the United States Marine Corps, the Department of Defense, or the Marine Corps Association.